The week is almost over, so pour that coffee. And let's discuss what's going on in Milwaukee, Madison, Washington, and beyond. It's the Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Joining Steve Scafidi, here's Joe Sapecki and Bill McCaution. Should we talk about the government? Oh, yeah. I hate to talk over that great music, but yes, joining me in studio. We've, it's been a while, guys. I missed you guys tremendously. Get those mics on. We got the mics on? I got you. You got them? You were good. All right. It's just me, apparently. Maybe I've learned how to do it, not to do it any the right way anymore. All right, gentlemen. Who watched the debate last night? Not me. I watched most of the replay. I could not get through all of it. The last 11 minutes or so, I just threw up my hands and couldn't do it anymore. I watched the highlights, which is really all I needed to do. A lot of talk. Were there highlights? I guess. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. There there was the poop. What? I enjoyed the the poop map. The poop map was good. Uh, (laughs) Your father in law. (laughs) I met your father in law. That was good. Seriously, though, I, I guess I the reason I didn't watch it, because I watch every minute of, of the real debate, sort of, because Trump's not there, but it felt like this is like a pretend debate, like foreshadowing what might happen like five years from now, maybe, or what was that exactly? This felt like a bigger deal a couple months ago when they scheduled it, because DeSantis was more likely to be the Republican nominee at that point, and he was kind of poking at Newsom, and so the California governor was like, okay, you know, show me the put up or shut up let's you and me do it and i now that it is your you know you guys are the president and vice president of the nikki nikki haley fan club now that she is sort of the alternative to trump i thought there was less luster and interest in the debate anyways and now it's just sort of like what is ron DeSantis, who's running for president or so he would have us believe doing standing on a stage with the governor of california also several months ago the speculation was louder that Biden wouldn't be the nominee. I think that's all been, you know, put to rest. Could you call it the what if debate? Like if the other candidates don't make it or whatever, here's the guys. I thought it was the best debate of 2023 so far. Low bar, Bill. <laughs> I mean, bar. about all the other yeah. Republican debates? Yeah, yeah, I did. Why Why is that? Uh, I thought there was a lot more substance. There was a lot more sparring, uh, mm-hmm. but meaningful sparring, not cheap shots below the belt. I thought that was pretty good. And I'll tell you why they did it. In in uh, Ron DeSantis's case, Sean Hannity, you might remember in 2015 and 16, literally had Donald Trump on every night or four nights a week. Right. I mean, he was the show. So the MAGA crowd watches Sean Hannity. I don't. I gave up on Hannity years ago. I'm not a big fan of his. But I watched this thing start to finish last night. I think DeSantis got done what he needed to do, which was prove that his way of governing is a better philosophy than Newsom's and that he can he can fight. And that's what the MAGA crowd wants is a fighter. I think he proved that last night. I think DeSantis gets a slight bump in this. But the the bigger issue really is is uh, Newsom and, and Biden. I, my take on this last night was the White House had to not like what they saw because uh, Newsom Though he struggled with data a lot in the debate last night, he was a better defender of the liberal philosophy and of the Biden record than Joe Biden himself. So can you see an 81-year-old guy standing on that stage with someone younger than him trying to keep up with the facts the way they were going last night? You know, I, I, I think it was a win for Ron DeSantis. Has it changed the trajectory? No, probably not. What, what I've recommended... 
the Nikki Haley's campaign manager is Laura Ingram has, has offered the same thing for DeSantis and Haley. I think she should take him up on it. So independent of the organized, yeah, just a TV debate. I think she so, should definitely take him up on one it. network. Mike, Ron, uh, we'll find out sometime today. Um, Hannity generally gets around three million a night in viewership. I guess his last night was closer to seven, maybe more than that. So decent audience, probably more MAGA followers than anything else. I, I think. It was almost unwatchable, especially for people who do not live inside the political soup like we do. The talking over one another, the this number versus that number, the shorthand, very online political insider lexicon. If you're Joe or Jane Sixpack out there, I don't know how you walked away from that debate feeling like you knew anything more or that you actually had gotten an explanation of the difference in the governing philosophies. You know, before we started, we were talking about this, this back and forth over the book banning. And you could ascribe this to many, and many of the conversations last night where it was just back and forth, number versus number, shorthand, like you're on a crusade against books, you're on a book banning binge, which sounds quippy, but it doesn't actually get to the heart of why or why not it should be the role of the state and the government to ban literature or certain books for certain ages. They didn't, they never, in my view, actually got to the philosophy of governing. They just argued over the results. And I don't think that moves the conversation or improves our politics. Yeah, I may agree with you on, at this high level, but what about American politics and our culture now when it comes to politics would say that the public doesn't love this stuff. They, they this is the Trump world now. They love people shouting over each other and acting like like maniacs on stages. That's what we get now. Well, you know me, Steve. I'm the optimist who wants better for our politics. <laughs> I thought you were Eeyore. <laughs> yeah. Which is it? You're, I just you're the high level guy. I, I, you're the to voice call of reason. It a higher minded debate is what I was looking for. Is a simplification. I don't I, think the public wants that anymore. I don't either. Well, they. <laughs> I don't either. Oh, now I'm Eeyore. Now I'm sad. <laughs> Let's take a break. Bill McCosha, Joseph Becky, Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Good to be back in studio with Joseph Pecky, Democratic strategist, Bill McCosha, Republican side of the aisle. We're talking politics and the, let's be honest, the 2024 race started about two years ago, and we're, we're kind of a third of the way, you know, halfway home now. And uh, so I guess let's look at the debate last night, even though I don't think Ron DeSantis is going to be the the nominee for Republicans, and I, I don't think Gavin Newsom will be for de- Democrats. You know, you never know what happens. And somebody asked me that question this morning, one of my teammates. Are those the two guys, Biden and Trump? But I said, probably, I yeah. guess. I, until yeah. until proven wrong, I don't yeah. know what upsets that apple cart, even though everybody I talk to this Republican says, God, I wish somebody else was the, the leading no- <laughs> nominee. I don't know how you make that recipe work in a general. You, you and 66% of America yes, want that. Yes. So how Two does, different choices. So what do we what do we make of this when you're having these side debates and you said you would you'd encourage a different a debate other than the one we're going to see? Is it next week that we have a debate? Uh, the, sixth. the sixth. Yeah, next yeah, week. So another fourth of the uh, nominee process when the leading nominee's not even going to be there. What is what is this this event last night have, have anything to do with what what's going forward happening going forward? I, I don't think anything. I mean, I, I think the most important thing that happened in the presidential race in the last week was former President Trump coming out and saying that he is still intent on terminating. That's his word. Terminate the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare. And you saw President Biden's campaign team. You saw you know the Democratic Party on the left spring into action. And say, yep, here it is. Here is an issue. 
The Affordable Care Act has never been more popular. It is stronger and better thanks to what Joe Biden has done through the Inflation Reduction Act. Healthcare is not perfect in this country. No one is suggesting it is. But it has been a political vulnerability for Republicans to time after time, you know, what do we have to do, 60, 70 repeal votes, the most famous of them being when John McCain gave the thumbs down during Trump's term where the House had passed Obamacare repeal, the Senate couldn't get it done, and what Trump is saying is you get me back in there with Republican Congress, I will roll back things like what the Affordable Care Act has. No discrimination against people with pre-existing conditions, strengthening Medicaid, expanding it in the states, uh, closing the donut hole. These are provisions that millions of Americans have benefited from. I think it's the first big political mistake of the last couple of weeks on an issue that Democrats know how to run on, know how to win on. Trump stepped in it. He doubled down. And you're going to see an awful lot of TV ads coming soon that talk about the, what's going to happen on health care of Trump. Do wins. most Republicans, Bill, want this to be the big issue? No. I agree with Joe. I think it was a very big mistake by Trump. And the reality is, if you're a if you're a Trump supporter, let me just tell you, that is not going to be repealed. There's just no chance of that. Donald Trump had an opportunity with Republican Congress, a Republican U.S. Senate, and he couldn't get it done. Why? Joe's right. John McCain was the single vote that said, over my dead body, I'm not doing this. And why was that? John McCain was a lot of things. He was a war hero. He was a, you know, a great statesman. But he was a bitter man, too. And Donald Trump took after him personally many, many times. And he decided, this is my time where I'm going to stick Donald Trump in the eye. And he did it. And he got away with it, right? There's Donald Trump doesn't know how to build those coalitions on the, on the Capitol Hill to get this done. So if you're banking on that being the reason to vote for him, forget it. It's not going to happen. If this is a misstep by Trump, what's a misstep that is a bridge too far that could actually impact the race? What could he do or say? Because literally he's been bulletproof. Something on foreign policy, I think. is in the Repo- We're talking in the Republican yes, primary. Because yeah, yeah. what I'm saying is, yeah. in terms of the coming general election, which we all at this point agree is most likely to be Trump v. Biden, this is problematic in the general election. I, in the Republican primary, I, if there's a group of Americans who want to see Obamacare go away, yeah, it's Republican primary voters. So Maybe. I- I mean, I don't hear about it any anywhere anymore. It it doesn't make Until any polling week, list. I didn't really think about it at yeah, all. It, it is a, it's a non-issue. And and to your other point, Joe, Republicans have to have a health care message. That's just a, a a prerequisite of of being a candidate and being a party. You have to have a message on health care, particularly in presidential cycles. So the notion that we're going to run on repeal of Obamacare, give me a break. I want to ask you guys before the break about, and I, I might have talked to this uh, to Joe about this this morning before the show. Um, a lot's going to happen with Trump, uh, Trump in in courtrooms next year, and then some of that's already happening. Is there any likelihood, and this is speculation, that any of this stuff will be anywhere close to a conviction or a, an acquittal in any reasonable amount of time that would impact the race for the nomination? Because I don't think so. So the stuff that's happened so far, particularly the case in New York, has helped Trump because banks that lent him money said, we did our due diligence. You know, we, we underwrote this. It, it made sense to us. And oh, by the way, we made money on it and he made all of his payments. So it looks like a setup, right? Like a political hit going after Donald Trump for something that no, no other court in America would do. So uh, cases like that help him. The ones that I think will hurt him are, and I've said this before, the Mar-a-Lago documents case and, and also the Georgia case. 
Uh, I think those are the two that he's at greatest risk. I think all these others are nonsense and, and, uh, doesn't mean he won't get convicted in a, in a, in a court that's already predetermined. Well, it, it's not just about the loans from the banks. It's also about lowering the value of those properties to get out of paying taxes he owed. That's the problem. It's, he was Welcome inf- to Business 101. He was inflating he, assets. He did it on both sides. He right, overinflated yeah. than the under. It, either or, estimate. right? Yes. Do yeah. you want the cash flow and right. the liquidity, or do you want to you know, pay the tax? Now, you can't have it both ways. So there is more to it than that. Uh, what I said to Steve, and I know Bill appreciates, is the race for a nomination is a race for delegates. Yeah. And the Republican Party over the last year, state by state, has pretty quietly, under the radar, changed a lot of their delegate apportionment process, which makes it more likely that former President Trump will be able to rack up an insurmountable delegate lead by the time that any of these cases resolve in mid-March or April or even May. Let's say, you know, by June 1, a decision comes down, he's a convicted felon, but Trump has already secured enough delegates to be nominee. There's no mechanism in the Republican Party bylaws to take delegates away from him. And it wouldn't matter because he wouldn't step down. Right. So I guess the, the last question before break, if if that's the reality, that he'll have that number, whatever he needs to, to win the nomination, and a conviction comes down, that means there's nothing that's going to change that, that formula as we go to the convention in July next year? I think year? the one thing that changes the formula is Iowa. That's 45 days from today. If the voters of Iowa choose Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis, this race instantly changes. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think it is possible that that could happen, that Trump does not win Iowa. He didn't win it in 2016. I saw today that he's he's uh, invested a lot of TV money, which is something he hasn't done in Iowa to try to win that race. I think so their polling shows the that. same thing. Yeah. yeah. You think that's a reality? I think it's I think it's possible that one of the other two do win Iowa, and then it, it does change the game. If they can't stop him in Iowa they can't stop him, then the only hope for Republicans who want a nominee other than Trump is some sort of negotiated plea in the sentencing portion of you know ensuing any convictions where he agrees not to run as part of a way to avoid jail time, for example. The wisdom of Joseph Eki and Bill McCoshin will continue after this on the Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Oh, we're talking baseball, even though it's not... Beginning of the cold months. Joe, it's always baseball season. CC Sabathia. Are we going to talk about him? Yeah, we're talking about greatest pitchers. So that kind of leads us into our conversation. The the uh, the fake emails. Apparently, all the electeds in Wisconsin have fake email accounts. I knew it was a story in the Walker administration, but now the latest breaking news. I'm air quoting that is that the governor of Wisconsin was using a Warren Spahn fake email. <laughs> Your thoughts, Bill McCasher? My thoughts are this is. Highly inconsistent with his own messaging in 2018. Wouldn't you agree, Mr. Zapecki? Which messaging <laughs> Where he that? said he was going to be the most transparent administration uh, in history. I mean, to have an alias email is the opposite of transparency. Correct? As reported in all of this news coverage, they have been responsive to open records requests. And the emails he wrote and received at that email address have been turned over to journalists who should have known about this if they had read the top sheet that said the only thing we are redacting is the governor's non-public official email address. Let me take the purest approach here. You have one email account. I don't care if it's hard that you have one email account because it's filled with constituents' emails, which, frankly, most of you ignore anyway, all elected officials, both parties. What this nonsense that the public doesn't have a right to see these emails because they're like work product. No. And I don't want to, I don't want to have to make it harder for journalists, harder for the public. Joe 
America, Joe Wisconsin, average Joe, so, to get the information that's, that he's paying for. So 100%, every email ever sent or received by a governor should be public in your view. That's your position? Unless there's some sensitive information yeah, that's well, protected that's the by law. the law. It's yeah. not, it's not yeah. his position. By the way, I heard you spin the other day in the efficiency exemption. I looked for that in the statutes, and I couldn't find it. So maybe you can cite I that. I don't care the- about that. I want them to have hard jobs. The, you- the law says they're all public records. And, and, and now they will have to turn over 17,000, which is the number. You, you are right to a point. The, the specific open records he's been asked, perhaps he's given all those emails. Now he's going to get asked to show all of them. Perhaps. No one has alleged or suggested that they are covering anything up. And that's what we're talking about here. And just so everybody knows. There is a process to responding to an open records request, and it does not only include the governor's political appointees. There are career civil servants in the IT departments for the state at the DOA who take the first review, then the lawyers review. Very familiar. Uh, Right? So, So, Bill, you know that the checks and balances built in here are if... The governor wasn't turning over emails that he was supposed to. This is where things like whistleblower statutes and protections come in, that somebody inside DOA could stand up and say, hey, they're not turning over the emails. No one's suggesting that. This is a do about nothing. No, it, it, it's, it suggests the appearance is that you have something to hide. Right. No, it does not. How do you say that? Otherwise, you would be using the regular well, email. No, because have you, you emailed them at warren.spawn at wisconsin.gov? 22 years ago. Have you emailed the governor at Warren? I have not. I don't email the governor. You don't email the governor. You didn't email Scott Walker. I, I, you picked I, up the phone and called him. Yeah. <laughs> because you didn't want to create a record. Correct. So, like, so which is shadier? Avoiding creating records by picking up the phone and making having a conversation. Well, it's smarter, or, not shadier. Well, <laughs> what are we doing here? For more than twenty years, was more than twenty years ago. I first worked in a government setting, and the congressman I interned for had an email address that anybody could email, and all of the staff reviewed those, and the ones that needed to get in front of the boss got in front of the boss. But in order for him to actually be able to spend his time efficiently, he had a second email address, I, like. A couple months ago, my wife had to laugh. She said, oh, my God, do you have a burner email account? Because I have a different one with my proper name that's on my birth certificate Ooh. as opposed to my normal Gmail account. I'm like, it's not a burner account, but the number of emails we get, mm. you got different ones oh, to so sign up for different accounts. Too. <laughs> right? Yeah, you guys. And if you're oh my God. the question, then there's a problem. You guys are too <laughs> She much. doesn't know it. Who knows that email, Mr. Zapecki? <laughs> and if you don't use it, the Gmail accounts are going away, apparently, so. I was a cabinet secretary for four years. I never got one email from my governor, Tommy Thompson. Did you, Not, ever, did you ever send an email? No. The computer had on my desk was, was a <laughs> very heavy paperweight. I was going to say, you just had a computer, but there was like nothing inside well, of it. I mean, it just, we didn't do it. But I, that, I, I called that, Tommy and I said, did you have an alias? He laughed. He said, are you kidding me? No, he didn't. <laughs> to that point, though, um, is is there a, a, a complete 100% public has a right to see everything is that that's, that's what the law I, says? Yeah, and the but, interpreta- but that, and the interpretation that point, of though. that law though has been that emails of a deliberative nation, uh, de- sorry, deliberative uh, content, right? So if the governor that and was chief the Walker of staff, argument. right, yeah. are going back and forth and saying, "Here's three options for how we could pursue this," and they're going back and forth trying to determine a policy, that's a deliberation, and the public doesn't have to see those. Well, I asked a question because, like, text 
emails, message, uh, you know, messenger from Facebook or yep. whatever the Twitter version is. Those are all things that are swirling out there. I contact people on those platforms. And if those, if the people you are contacting are conducting state business, those are open records. Hmm. I, you guys. So not, you're saying that. nothing to see here. I don't agree. No, I. As I said on Wednesday, this is a Joe lot. This is a lot Wednesday, closer. Oh, oh, I heard to it. no deal. Heavy tops <laughs> to no deal than it is to little deal. <laughs> I, like I understand people have questions. I'm here for educating people about the state's open records process that Republicans gutted under Scott Walker and Tony Evers and his administration. There has not been one suggestion that they have failed to produce open records as requested, compliant with the law. All Full right. stop. Gotta take a break, but. Let's get to another clear-cut one. Hunter Biden. <laughs> after, <laughs> after this, Willie or won't he? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in on this Friday, Political Power Hour, 9 to 10 here on WTMJ Now. And in studio, Bill McCoshin, Republican strategist, Joseph Pecky on the Democratic side. All right, Hunter Biden has offered Bill to testify in an open hearing, but the, the House Oversight Chair, James Comer, no, we're going to do a closed session. So I'm a big fan of Comer. I think he's done, he's disclosed more publicly that the public did not know than any time in our history. Uh, and and I, I commend him for that. You mean in this uh, case? Uh, in yep, this case? Overall, yep, about the Biden uh, family. Uh, on this one, I disagree with Chairman Comer, and I'll, I'll say why. He, he wants, the process is you go through a definition, def, deposition first, which is in closed session. And then there's a hearing after that. Hunter Biden and his attorney have said, we're skipping, you know, we're, we're not going to do the closed door thing. We, we want to do this in public. If I'm Comer, I take him. I say, great. Here's the date. Here's the time. Plan for two days, not one. Uh, and I lay him out in public. I think they have enough goods on Hunter Biden that that will be the kiss of death for him if he sits in front of that. But I think he's banking on process here. And, and let me give you the two examples. Steve Bannon, when when Democrats were in charge, and uh, Peter Navarro, both were asked to go to the public process, just like Hunter Biden's asking. And at the time, Jamie Raskin said, no way, we're going, we're going to do the deposition first. I, I would not stand on precedent here. If I'm Comer, I'm having that hearing and I'm telling them plan for two days. Okay, but Hunter Biden is not the President of the United States. So Whatever happens with Hunter Biden, the, the process should play out. Yep. Are, are you assuming or saying that Comer has something on the president through Hunter Biden? Is that what you're saying? I, th- I think he can get there. I, I think he can connect, connect the dots through Hunter Biden. Yes. And that's a financial connection. Isn't yes. It? That's what I've read from what yep. Comer's put out. Okay. Because Joe Biden loaned his brother $200,000 and his brother paid him back and they have a check for the loan repayment which is literally of the same amount that Chairman Comer got a $200,000 check from his brother that when he was asked about it, he freaked out and lost his mind. The, how long have they been at this? How long ago was it? Nine months. How, no, no. The Hunter Biden story has been going on since at least 2017. It, Hunter Biden was at the center of the first Trump impeachment because Trump was trying to get the goods on Hunter Biden way the heck back then. We have been at this for six years, and Republicans have nothing to show for it to suggest that Joe Biden did anything inappropriate. Is Hunter Biden a troubled individual now facing federal indictment? Yes. Stipulated. 
And if they want him to come before Congress to pillory him and embarrass him and bring up the most devastating choices he's made in his life and embarrass him and the president, they can do that. But they won't do it because they know they don't have the goods. Is there so why not ahead. have them testify publicly? Is there a risk that this backfires on Republicans? No. I think they have enough information to make this very uncomfortable. Here's another thing where I may disagree with sort of where this could lead to. I would not impeach Joe Biden in 2024. I would let the Republican nominee, whether it's Donald Trump, Nikki Haley, or Ron DeSantis, run against all of the things that get discovered over the course of the next several months. And going back six years, I mean, first of all, the Republican Congress wasn't particularly interested in this. And frankly, Donald Trump wasn't particularly interested in this. He was just willing to extort a ally. Not until it was time for reelection, right? (laughs) And and so they whiffed on it. Uh, James Comer is not whiffing on this. He's done an incredible job, I think. And I do believe they have significant evidence that will be impossible for Hunter Biden to refute. We think members of Congress are doing a better investigatory job than the independent uh, counsel who has been, I totally who has, do. Yes. <laughs> the guy I, I, the listen, that's prosecutor? one of the institution who has has no credibility left. Department of Justice? Ba- yes. Back in the blue. My, yeah. my buddy Bill, back in the blue in the criminal justice no, system. I back the guys country. on the street, the cops on the street, absolutely. <laughs> Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky will take a break here and talk Supreme Court U.S., the passing of a justice, a first. And uh, in Wisconsin, Supreme Court, big news in Waukesha last night. We'll get to that, those stories and more. Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. Political Power Hour on WTMJ Now. I'm Steve, along, uh, alongside Joseph Pecky, Bill McCaution, on this Friday segment. We do every Friday, 9 to 10. Um, the passing of a justice will lead us to a conversation about the uh, the race that's a couple years away, but we're already talking about it. Sandra Day O'Connor, the first woman to, to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court, appointed by Reagan, I believe. Yep. Um, stepped down in 2005. I think that's the, yeah, retired in 2005. The first of anything is amazing. Yeah. The first... Female justice is incredible. A real trailblazer. Uh, my, my heart goes out to her, her loved ones. Um, it's always sad to lose somebody like that. And as a country, it's a, a moment to reflect and think about the progress we have made. You know, she was the first. And now today the court has, what, four women on it? Three? Well, yeah. You know, the, Wisconsin Supreme Court, there's six. Right. Yeah. So um, there, and it's one of those reminders that we have made progress in terms of making our systems of government look more like the American people, and I think that that's a good thing. Uh, I don't know that anybody should disagree with that. Certainly somebody out there probably does. I am proud of the fact that a Republican president broke the glass ceiling. We are the party of the people, after all. Yes, the party of women, the Republican Party. (laughs) I think Bill said it perfectly. And here's the amazing thing about that story. Her, Her nomination vote... 99 to nothing will never happen again it will not which, it will never happen it again. wasn't that long ago that that's yeah. what happened and yeah. now it's this incredible uh battle it 1985 yeah so it was yeah yeah, yeah. It's, a, yeah. Uh, it's just incredible rest in peace if i was Justice. alive for it it couldn't have been that long ago <laughs> yeah, there is old. no gray hair in that beard yet uh, so you're, you're still the youngest guy don't in the look room. any closer I think that's, that's manufactured uh, dark, dark hair. <laughs> all right we'll take another break here bill and joe political power hour on wtmj now all right, another quick hitter with Bill McCaution and Joseph Pecky, our political experts, real experts, not the fake kind you hear everywhere else on other stations and other networks. All right. He's actually going to be here today, 1108. Uh, the newest candidates, right now I think the only candidate uh, for the Supreme Court, other than the, the current justice, um, Bradley, um, Brad Schimmel, 
What are your thoughts about that? Announcing last night. He's running. I like it. Listen, Brad Schimmel has run statewide twice. He won in 2014. He lost uh, in 2018 in a year that wasn't good for Republicans. He lost by less than Scott Walker did to Tony Evers. Walker lost by 27,000 votes. Schimmel lost by 17,000. But the difference in that race is there was a third-party candidate who got 47,000 votes. Had that person not been in the race, Brad Schimmel would have been reelected. So I think he's a pretty good candidate statewide to start with. We'll see what he does on the fundraising trail. But getting in literally, you know, 16, 18 months. The strategy there is what? Money. It's all about money. Clear the field, raise money. Uh, you know, a year from now, he's going to have to roll in on his January of 2025 report with about three million bucks. So that's his task for the next 13 months. Uh, and that's just the ante. It's not the ending number, uh, but it's I think he's a good starting candidate. And I think we now know how important losing that race was for conservatives. When you're talking about school choice, Act 10, uh, of a potentially right to work, a variety of other things. This court is a super legislature, and we got to stop. They that. haven't even ruled on anything. Well, we're going to see. We're, we're going to see. You don't get to declare hey, that before they've ruled on it. Real quick, because I got to get the break again. You're in the Bradley camp, so um, again, a long time from now. Yeah, I, that's my my biggest thing. Is campaigns are way too long. How do I know this? We're starting our spring of twenty five candidacies already. Mm. Give it a break. We need less politics, not more. My initial take, though. I'm not sure that somebody who has a record of being stridently anti-access to reproductive health care, very similar to Mr. Kelly, who has lost statewide already, similar to Mr. Kelly, is the the solution when Republicans are coming off of an 11-point loss. I, but we'll see. I like that you put it that way because I'm going to ask him that question. What's different in your candidacy versus Daniel Kelly's? That come on, coming up at 11.08 on this very program, he'll be sitting right where Bill's sitting, uh, coming up in about an hour and 10 minutes. All right, after the break... The always exciting, always interesting, sometimes fascinating and entertaining, the grab bag with Bill and Joe after this. All right, there we go. That's right, the weekend's here. This is is the first full week I've worked in like a month. (laughs) Doing okay? I'm I'm good. You ready for a nap? I survived the week. All right, so uh, grab bag is always fun, and I'll... uh, well, I, I, got a, I got first. a pressing question for, for the panel here. Oh, yeah. Do we really have questions during What's going to last longer, today's show or George Santos's time in Congress? Oh. Ooh. Is he, is he guns out? They're calling the vote. Have, oh, it's right now. They're calling yeah. the vote. I don't think they have the votes, but. We'll see. He'd be the sixth member in the history of our nation to get expelled from the Congress. And the most deserving or? I, I think he's a scumbag, but I think it's up to it's his voters fraud. to throw him it's out, not the, not his colleagues. But it sets a precedent because he hasn't been convicted yet. Right. The Ethics Commission report was pretty, pretty, pretty. <laughs> he has not been in. Well, he has been indicted. He right. hasn't been convicted. He's been indicted. Is he that your grab bag thing? No, it's not. Oh, okay. What's oh, we, I thought we needed some filler. We have got some time here. <laughs> There's no filler. This is all premium content. <laughs> no filler on this show. Get out of here. All right, Bill McCoy. All right, so. I'm hoping as a Packer fan, uh, not a Swift fan, that Taylor Swift does come to Green Bay on Sunday <laughs> night. I think it's. I think she's good for football. A lot of my friends disagree with me. She's bringing new eyeballs to the game uh, that had declined quite a bit uh, when people were taking a knee and they were they were staying in the locker room during the national anthem. I think Taylor Swift is bringing some excitement back to the NFL, and I hope she makes it to the venerable Lambeau Field on Sunday night. 
And I'm sitting inside, and often when I sit inside, I see the celebrities being escorted to their you know private chambers. Inside? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not sitting outside with the real fans? That's <laughs> where I'll be. I'll be outside no. with the real people. It's supposed to be lousy. Isn't it supposed to be lousy on Sunday? It's supposed to snow I'll be sweating, or rain. sweating in yeah. the club seats <laughs> with a T-shirt on. That's my enjoyment. All right, what's your grab bag? Uh, my grab bag is uh, we're coming up to the end of the year, holiday season, and I'm just wondering, is there still a war on Christmas? Because no. I, I heard... Well, they went after the tree and at the Rockefeller Center. Did you see that? Come, I, I did come not on. see yes. that. Who, who's they? Uh, free Palestine movements. Okay, so... Come on. That's a war on Christmas. <laughs> Aren't they in your coalition? No, not in my coalition. <laughs> You're not uh, working on behalf of Free there Palestine? Should, there should be a Palestinian state. Uh, I would not um, engage in destructive disobedience as my form of civil disobedience. Um, and so I just want to declare the war on Christmas is over. Right. Nobody is coming after Christmas. If people on Fox News or your local, your other talk radio products are suggesting there is a war on Christmas. Hold on a second. I'm here to tell you. If someone attacks a Christmas tree, a famous Christmas tree, would that just by definition not be war on Christmas? It is an act of civil disobedience. It is not the tact I would take. They're trying to get attention for an issue they care dearly about. It does not mean that there is some giant secret cabal trying to destroy Christmas in this country. Are you going no to close your point by that. giving Joe Biden credit for the no more yeah, war on he Christmas? Did it. He, he has, did it? He has ended the war on Christmas. <laughs> Joe, Bi- <laughs> Joe Biden. set up a wintry wonderland at the White House. The, the good Catholic boy who talks about the Catholic nuns. The one who got lost on being, stage again last nice, night when he was lighting the being tree. Happier, Where's that tree at? Oh, my God. Being happier, Which way am I going? On days, on Mondays at the Catholic school, after the Packers had won on Sunday, is why our president is both a Packers fan and a Christmas fan. No more war on Christmas. Since when has Biden been a Packers fan? Yeah, that's all to me. Did you listen to the story I just told? He went to a Catholic school. Uh-huh. And so did I. The, and fan the, of Lombardi? The, the nuns were fans of the Packers. Mm. And I, on Sundays after the, on Mondays after the Packers won on Sunday, they would go easier they on their questions. Did, no, I didn't listen. Does he know it's not Lambert Field like John Kerry called it? He Lambert. does. Yeah. So you, Taylor Swift's going to not only save the NFL, but save America. Perhaps. She might. Until oh. she gets hyper-political next year and endorses Joe's guy. <laughs> How long until she's running for something? She won't. Have you seen her videos? She's very passionate about politics. She is passionate about politics. How long? I wouldn't say she's very smart about politics, but oh, she's passionate. Oh, come on, man. I think you just called Taylor She's Swift smart enough to make billions of dollars. I thought you said you were for making money. I am totally for right. making we money. we got to get out Show of here. Show some respect. we got to get out of here. Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky. The news is next on WTMJ.